Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. Okay. We doing all right today? All right, good. Well, hey, grab your Bibles. You're going to need them today. I'm going to be all over the place. Um, we're talking about my favorite topic, and that's Jesus um, today. And um, I really want to start a series today um, that where we are abundantly clear, uh, crystal clear on what the calling of this church is and this generation, and that's to be a Jesus church. All right. Um, I want to talk about what that is, though, and I want to talk about some things that hold us back from that. And so for the next few weeks, we're doing a series called Jesus Church, and I think that you will see why as we get going today. But if you have your Bibles, open them to uh, Philippians. Um, just Philippians is good. I'm preaching the whole book today, all right? Hope you ate before you came. Um, no, the, uh, guys, I want to talk about this, though, because I, I think that, that uh, what happens is sometimes we forget the, the goal and the purpose of something. Sometimes something starts well, but it ends bad. And I, I think if you, if you look at that in the church, you see that many times, let's take the Reformation for instance, a lot of great stuff came out of that, but then it ends bad and it loses its potency and its purity over time. That happens in the church, that happens in marriages. That happens where people begin, we just did a, a wedding yesterday, Nina. Fernandez married uh, Weldon Savane, and what a good man, and there was, there was a massive party going on in here, um, and uh, we actually sang yesterday, King of My Heart, and I remember um, Nina, she was, she was doing this, that's how she was worshiping the King of My Heart, it, it wrecked me. Um, so some of you who are, you know, who are just like, man, I don't know, I'm always singing, I want to try something new, try that, that's how Nina does it, all right? Uh, I think that God's always looking at the heart. But I was looking at the purity of, I was standing right here with a uh, fantastic couple. I'm looking at the purity of this couple. And I've looked at the purity of so many other couples before me as I've done at least 100 weddings now over my 22 years of pastoral ministry. And I know that uh, many of the, the weddings that I've performed, they've ended in disaster. Now, how in the world does that happen? Or somebody that starts with purity can end with distance. How does this happen? Uh, we take our eyes off of Jesus. I know um, for me, like when I, when I think of the church, I think about how it is for me to be a parent. And Google reminds me often, Google Photos reminds me often about how much I've loved being a dad. And Google reminds me of, of, hey, this is what was happening on this day five years ago. And I look at my kids, how small they were, how sweet they were, I, 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 how I used to love to just kiss them on the cheeks and just like wrestle them and snuggle with them. And then it says, this is what was happening eight years ago. And Lena was just, a, you know, just born. And, and I was remembering those times. But now if you look at my family, my, my son is almost six foot five at 14. My daughter, Grace, is growing into a, a beautiful young lady and she'll be 12 at the end of this month. And then Lena is eight years old and I'm looking at them and it is not the same as it used to, to be and if I tried to parent my kids like I did when I was kissing their cheekies and changing their diapers, if I tried to parent like that at this new stage at this new season I am not going to actually be a good parent at this stage of the game do you see what I mean I think I led worship right here on Good Friday and I heard from a lot of you, you said, I didn't know you could sing. I've, I, I sing a tune here or there. And, uh, but uh, 
I have willingly stepped off the stage to let other people better than myself get on it. And I'm not, I'm, this is not false humility. This is, my calling at this church is not to lead worship. My calling at this church is to preach the gospel and to lead this church well. Um, but uh, I, quite a few of you came up and, and not only said, Nathan, I didn't know you could sing, but some of you said, Nathan, I missed you singing. And I take that, it's a hard, I say that is so sweet, but I want to encourage us, this is where the lack of purity begins to creep in. Let it settle. Because that is how it happens in the church. In other words, I miss the old days. I miss how we used to be. I miss last season. And do you know what the vision statement of that kind of church begins to be? And we can see it in purity, but we, we don't really know. It's, we're operating in ignorance. We don't know what we're actually doing is we're, we're planting seeds that are trying to anchor us to what we used to be instead of God's dream and God's heart for where he's taking us in the future. And what happens is the, the vision statement over churches and organizations and families, but especially we're focusing on the church today, the vision statement begins, becomes a declaration, a war cry. Preserve last season. Preserve last season. How it used to be, how you, when I first met Jesus, how it felt, how it felt, how it was, how it was, who he had, who he had, who is here, who is here. Preserve last season. And that is just not the heart cry of God. Our last season is great. We remember the goodness of God in every single season. But what the dream that is alive and well in the heart of Jesus Christ for his blood-bought church is not to help us remember how he worked then, but how he wants to work in the future. Church! These are, these are I, love the, the, I love the days gone by. They're wonderful memories. But our good old days haven't been here yet. They're coming in the future. We're going towards them. It's going to be better than ever. I believe it. I believe it. When I talk to Jesus, that's just what he tells me, that you haven't seen anything yet. So I remember, I, I don't want to treat providence like, I wanna, we have grown now. We're out of diapies. <laughs> This isn't the time anymore, like the times where I used to get up and I used to pinch your cheekies and say how cute you are was back when we were worshiping on the square in Hanover, and then we, you know, multiple places on the square, then we moved to the uh, Hanover Middle School, and then we outgrew that and moved to the high school, and then the high school and the Hanover School District just kicked us out. We're like, oh, Jesus, you're, where did your faithfulness go? Well, his faithfulness brought us to Spring Grove about seven years ago or so, and, um, and actually, we always thought that we were going to be a church for a town, and Jesus is saying, no, my dreams for you are bigger than Hanover. You're going to be a church for a region. You're not just going to reach Hanover. You're going to reach Spring Grove, you're going to reach York, you're going to reach other people. We have people that drive here from Mechanicsburg and Camp Hill and everything. This is getting spicy and wild, all right? Actually getting some cool people up in here, you know? Yeah, I was talking to a guy yesterday from Ghana. That was one of the coolest men I've ever met in my life. The way he prays, like, whoa, whoa, I'm going down. Serious. Did I scare you? I hope so. If you've never gone down when somebody's praying for you, you haven't prayed. Come on now. But I've, I've discovered that I've got a pastor, Providence, like a, like a parent, is raising up a young man or, one, or a woman to release them, not preserve them. You preserve purity. 
but you don't preserve seasons. And so God is taking us into a a new season, and I want to talk about that. Listen, the purity of the heart of providence. I didn't say the perfection. I said the purity of the heart of providence. We have never lost the purity of our heart. And I can say that as the lead pastor, just from a pure heart, I would always stand before Jesus and say, we've done the best that we knew in moments, even when it was crazy difficult, we did our best. I know that. Uh, But I have also learned from our mistakes. And mistakes aside, forgetting what is behind and striving and straining towards what is ahead, we're setting our eyes on Jesus. Amen? And so I want to talk about what is ahead. I want to talk about vision. And I want to talk about who we are as a church, what our vision is, where we are going. But the first thing that I want to do is I want to define vision for us because often if I say vision and we're not on the same page, then then we'll be working against each other and I don't want to do that. So when I'm talking about vision, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying, uh, number one, uh, when I'm talking about vision at Providence or vision in the church, I'm talking about the God dreams that determine where we're driving or where God's directing us, the direction that we're going in. That's part of vision for me, the God dreams. Jesus, where are you taking us? Where do you want us to go? How does this church line up with your heart in this day? What, how, how do you want us to go? What do, what, what do you want us to use 71 beautiful, gorgeous, coyote-filled acres for? <laughs> And 2021 in Spring Grove of all places. Might as well be Nazareth or Bethlehem, right? What, what good comes out of Spring Grove besides Eli Brooks? You know what I'm saying? Like, what? Well, I think God wants to do a great thing here. So the God dreams that, that uh, determine where we're going, in other words, the direction. But it's more than only dreams and it's more than only direction when we're talking about vision. Did you know that? Because vision, if you take it a step deeper, Vision is what burns in the heart of a person or a church. It's what burns in the heart. When you boil that church down, the vision is what you get. The the most pure thing about the church, you get everything else. You get everything the church does. You get everything the church believes. You get all the doctrinal statements and you get all this and you boil it down to this one thing. And that is the vision of the church. What burns, what, is, what, what burns most purely, what burns most hot, what is the all-encompassing passion of the church of the person? What is the banner under which, that, that, that flies over, with, over them, under which they operate in? What is the banner over a person's life? What is the banner over the organization? The, the passion boiled down, the one thing the church longs to do. That's the vision. Um, it's interesting, when you look at the Bible, many people, uh, you can see the vision that they operated in when they use terminology like this, like King David. In Psalm 27, verse 4, when he says, this is the one thing that I want. The one thing. One, da- this is King David, the one person that God talked about being a man after his own heart. And when David says, when you boil me down, you find one thing. My one desire that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This is what I want. Of, of, the, of all the things I could have as King David, the one, the one thing I long for most is the presence of God. I've got to be near him. Or you take Paul, the apostle Paul, in Philippians, and I think you should be there. Look at chapter one, 
verse 21, where Paul defines his entire life up to this moment as this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me, if I'm going to be living, my life is going to have one direction and it's not north, south, east, or west. It's a, the direction of the person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And if I die, it's going to be gain because I will see him face to face as he is. That is what my life will be about. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, stay in Philippians because we'll be back. But Matthew chapter 6, 21, Jesus says this, and this is a great way to find what your vision is for your life. It's what you treasure the most. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Matthew 6, 21. Your, tre- you, your heart follows. You, know, you want to know the direction of a church? You want to know the direction of a, of a person's life? You know, want to know the direction of a family, the direction of an organization? That You just look at the direction that they're going in, and they're going in the direction of their heart's most prized treasure. This is why I've been saying that providence is not a business trying to feel like a family. We must be the family of God, redeemed by the blood of the, of the Lamb, Jesus. And we do good business out of that. But we belong to Jesus first and foremost. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So over the years at Providence, Providence started in 2007 in my living room with me and Adrian, with Pastor Philip and Carrie, and then our, our, uh, our oldest kids, Anna and Ethan. And uh, with booming ch- uh, children's ministry, it's like a third of the church. It was just like we didn't know what we were going to do. But in 2007, we had just come from uh, an explosive revival called The Pulse, where 12 homeschool kids turned into three, four, I don't know, nine billion kids, it seemed like sometimes. So it was three or four hundred kids coming, getting saved all the time. If anything bad happened in a school, they'd all flood the pulse and we'd just preach Jesus and they would all get saved. And we were like, what is going on? This is before cell phones and YouTube. This is like the move of God. We could not stop it. We just laughed and giggled. Just like, we get to be a part of this. And so we just, we just started dreaming and started feeling the call of God. What if God did something like this, not just with teenagers, but with their parents too, because honestly, in youth ministry, I found that the parents are more of a problem than the teens. The parents who want to, want to control their kids, want to, you can't do that, and you can't do that. Listen, listen, Jesus gets past that to their hearts, and then the fruit of their life comes out, and, and it's, you, it's, you gotta let go. But so we started, our, our vision at the Pulse was to see Jesus be the treasure of this generation. And so that's what carried in. 2007, we started church with this, a flame in our hearts to see Jesus be the treasure of this generation. And as we started reaching people that, that you know, that weren't necessarily teenagers or weren't necessarily young college people, uh, young adults, we started saying we need to change terminology a little bit because the heart of the Father is not just for a generation, but for, for everybody, the aged, the young, everybody. And so we said in 2008 that our, our vision was treasuring Jesus Christ to the glory of God. And I was just graduating uh, with my master's degree. I was studying soli deo gloria, to the glory of God. That's what, we're going to put that in there. It works, right? That God is most glorified in us when he's our greatest treasure, when our hearts want him the most, not when we just heartlessly obey him, 
right? So that's where the glory of God and the treasuring Jesus, they don't, they interact well, all right? And then we operated like that for a while in 2010. Um, I was at a prayer retreat with our elder team at the time, Keith Dyke, Mike Corson, Andrew Gray, Rick Rhodes, and myself, and I grabbed a guitar and I started singing, I lift my eyes up to the heavens. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, maker of heaven. Oh, how I need you, Lord, you are my only hope. Five men singing their guts out, and God dropped this on us in that context, that the vision starting in 2010 has the same purity, same heartbeat, but just different words, was being restored to a 24-7 obsession with Jesus. You remember that? You remember that? So he came out with shirts that said, being restored, 24-7 obsession. People got saved just because we wore that stuff. That's why you have a church store, by the way, <laughs> for those of you concerned. <laughs> yeah. Man. Wouldn't you love to have my email? You know, it's so good. <laughs> so at the end, uh, we, we, we operated there uh, for four years. And at the end of 2014, uh, after we had moved to, to Spring Grove from Hanover, um, we were thinking, hey, this is a new season. Does God want us to change the terminology as far as our vision, which is not just our dreams and, and our direction, but what is burning in our hearts? And it's always treasuring Jesus. It's always, it's always been him. It's always been him, but how do we want to say it? And so I uh, wrote a, a vision statement in those days that say, that say, we see a church where Jesus is treasured. People are loved. Compassion is extended and you're changed. And I wrote a really big, or I don't know, a multi-page document called The Church We See, where we took each one of those four things and we just broke them down and we, we just gushed and, and we grew under, under, under that wind. Lots of people came to Jesus under that. Lots of people were set free under that. Lots of people found that being, just growing up religious and, and trying and striving to get near God doesn't work. But God's a father who wants you and runs to you. He pulls up his stuff. He just, whoosh, when he sees you coming down the road. So good. I, 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 felt, I felt, in, the, in those days, I, I literally felt like the religious spirit was trembling. And so here we are in this day when, uh, that when many of us that are in this, we don't remember those days I just talked about, and it's just what providence is to you is life on the hill. And we're up here in a multi-million dollar facility. We're like, wow, so great. And it is so great. Many people have paid a price to get us up here, but listen, it's still gotta be all about Jesus, correct? So what I'm seeing in, in this season is that, that God wants to make our vision, like his dream for this church, his direction for this church, his fire that he wants to burn in this church, he wants to make it simpler than ever and clearer than ever, all right? Simple and clear, like I talk, all right? <laughs> that was a joke. I listen to myself back. I'm like, just say stuff without stuttering. But here's, when you boil providence down, here's what I feel is on us in this day. I want you to take this to heart. If you're wondering what kind of a church are we, I want to be very, very clear that we're not defining providence by what denomination, what denomination we affiliate ourselves with, all right, which we don't. 
Um, I could go off on denominational issues. I, 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 I re- the, the reality that we're operating in a day where we're no longer simply and clearly Jesus followers, but we're Lutherans or Pentecostals or Charismatics or Presbyterians, that hurts me. Jesus didn't die for us to be disunified. Jesus died for a glorious multicultural bride. And the, listen, we're a Pentecostal church because we believe in Pentecost. Any church that doesn't believe in Pentecost doesn't believe that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church and is thus operating in some Old Testament religion but not biblical Christianity. We're a charismatic church because we believe in the Bible and the Bible preaches that all of the gifts are in use today. And they didn't stop just because we got the scriptures. They got turned on because we got the scriptures. Uh, we're a Presbyterian church. You know that? The word Presbyterian comes from the word presbyter, which means preacher. And we love to preach the scriptures and we love sound doctrine. So I would say we are a Presbyterian church. <laughs> we're, we're a Baptist church. Because when people get saved, we hold them underwater. And then we, then we raise them from the watery grave. And, then we, and everybody cheers because we say, what's happening is this person is not getting saved. They're declaring to the world that they're a part of the church. <laughs> so for the record, let me go on record. I'm tired of the church being defined by denominational affiliation. They're all messed up in some capacity. And most simply and clearly, when you boil providence down, providence is, here's our new vision statement, a Jesus church. That is it. That is it. I've always dreamt, and I know this is the hard way to do it. I know it's the hard way to do it because when you get a Pentecostal worshiping next to a Presbyterian, (laughs) (laughs) there's hate. Right? There's, uh, the one person's crying because of the weirdness of the other. It's like, do you know Jesus? And the, and the, Presbyter- the Pentecostal says to the Presbyterian, the Presbyterian was thinking, I was thinking the same thing about you. Right? And all of this stuff, guys, listen, listen. When Jesus saves us, he doesn't denominationalize us. He brings us into a family. And when you were dead and are alive, that should, that should impact your face. And that should impact your worship, and that should impact your life. And I just want to be a church known for Jesus, not known by different doctrinal and denominational affiliations. We've got good doctrine here. (laughs) We don't take our eyes off of that. We don't hate it. I love schooling. I love studying the scriptures. I love spending time with Jesus. I love hearing his voice. And we've got to learn how all of those things work together. Let me talk about a Jesus church. A Jesus church, first and foremost... All right, because we're, we're, not just, we're not saying we're a Jesus church and then letting just random people fill in that blank. What is a Jesus church to you? That's not, that's not the question. The question is, Jesus, what is a Jesus church to you? And a Jesus church, first and foremost, belongs to Jesus. You know that? Do you know that a Jesus church belongs, is owned by, has been purchased by Jesus. Revelation 5, 9, when John the Apostle 
is getting a vision of the end of all things. And he, you, woo, this, this chapter has been wrecking me. You, I, I read it to my discipleship group and some of our pastors the other day because it just absolutely annihilates my soul. Oh, man. But you, you get a picture of all of heaven in turmoil because there is no one worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. They've looked and looked and looked. All the elders of heaven, all the beasts, all the, all the angels, the myriads, the, the, the millions upon millions upon millions of angels, all kinds of them. No one is worthy to open the scroll and its seals. And then Revelation chapter five says this, starting with verse nine, after John the apostle is crying and elder of heaven comes up to him and he says, don't cry. He says, there is one who is worthy, the lamb <laughs> who is slain. And so this is the song of heaven then, once Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and now also the lamb who is slain. He's the lion and he is the lamb, both in the same. In Revelation uh, chapter five, verse nine, here is the song in heaven, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. I've gotta say this, Jesus died for a colorful bride. All nations, all cultures, Everyone, to the ends of the earth, he wants. But the part that I, I wanna really bring attention to is by your blood, that is the purchase price. You ransomed people for God. Freedom in Christ is not free just to be whoever you say you are. Freedom in Christ is taking on a new identity to be who Jesus said you were from the beginning. And freedom is coming into alignment with that and understanding the truth of who God says you are. You don't belong to yourself, you belong to him. Enjoy him. First Corinthians chapter six, verses 19 and 20, Paul says this to the church, you are not your own. That is not freedom. Saying I'm, I'm my own man, I'm my own woman, I can make my own decisions, I, can, I know what's best for my life. That kind of life and thinking always comes to ruin. Here's the kind of life that you were made for. You are not your own, Paul says. You are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You were bought with a price, church. The price is the blood of the lamb, who alone is worthy. Acts 20, 28, this is Paul speaking to the, the elders in the Ephesian church. And here are his last words to them before he sails away and then is martyred in Rome. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. Now stop for a second. You wanna know what the job of an elder is? It's not to make business decisions, friends. The job of an elder is to care for the church, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. In other words, Jesus is saying, I've bought this church and now I need pastors and elders to care for the church. That's the way I've designed it. Be full of my Father's love and pour that out on my people that I've purchased. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Your life matters. 
your private matters and pay careful attention to all the flock. People must be seen at your church gatherings. The Holy Spirit has ordained this and anointed this in the church. He's, he's, do, he's calling you to this. Care for the church of God. The church of God has belongs to Jesus. The purchase place was his blood. So at Providence, when we say that we're a Jesus church, we're saying that we belong to Jesus. We're saying that he's the pastor of the church ultimately. We're stewarding. And what a great stewardship. How much fun is this? It's a mess. It's hard and difficult. The price that you have to pay to do this is immense. Had I known what the price that I would have to pay, I never would have been a pastor back when I said yes at 15. For honesty, but here I am, by the grace of God, shepherding the church that Jesus has purchased with his own blood, and there's nothing better. Jesus at Providence, when we're saying that, Jesus, that this is a Jesus church, we're, we're saying that, that we refuse to be duped into the enemy's lies. That something is more important to fixate on or focus on than Jesus. We're saying that Jesus is our focus. We're saying with, with the author of Hebrews, we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're looking to Jesus. We're saying, Jesus, in every storm and every situation, we're looking to you and we're looking to you. That's what a Jesus church does. We, we're, we're saying with the old psalmist, some trust in horses, some look to them. Some trust in chariots, others look to them. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. The name of the Lord our God is King Jesus. So we're constantly looking to you. We're looking to you. And everything, we're looking to you, God, open our eyes to see you in these days. The word providence actually means that God hasn't just made us and then just, then just kind of let us go, but he is actively at work behind the scenes when we don't see him, when we don't feel him, he's working. So we're focusing on his, sometimes his invisible hand and we're, we're saying, God, make it so our eyes can see. We wanna enjoy you. We're focusing on you. We're not focusing on every other little thing. What those things do is they denominationalize us and we're focusing on Jesus. And but, so Jesus is our focus, but a Jesus church also has Jesus as our treasure. Our treasure. What, Jesus being our treasure means that we value him higher than everything else. He is our all in all. He is our treasure. When the disciples caught a record catch of fish in Luke 15 or Luke 5:11, and they brought this record catch of fish to land that surely boasted of job security and surely boasted of financial provision and surely boasted of stability for families. They all walked away from the record catch and all of those smaller promises for Jesus. We have preached a gospel that uses Jesus as a tool but doesn't treasure Jesus as the all-sufficient satisfier of every nook and cranny of our souls. This is, Jesus didn't die just to be used. He, he died to be used and to be all. Colossians chapter one says that we were created by him, meaning Jesus, and for him, meaning for the honor and for the glory and for the enjoyment and for the, the massive treasure 
that Jesus is. I think many times we're, we're fine, Jesus, get me a healing. Jesus, get me a job. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he loves to pour out those things on his bride. But if we're using Jesus to get what we really want, like heaven, is heaven for you wherever Jesus is? Or, or would you be fine in a mansion-filled family reunion with no Jesus? The, the one is the lie. The, the church says, Jesus, you are our treasure. We want you more than anything and everything put together and combined. That is why our, the legacy of the church is people who have laid down their lives as martyrs refusing to renounce the name of Jesus. Why would I deny he who is my treasure? My life isn't even as good as the life of Jesus is. I wanna get back to that fiery, revival, oh, burning Christianity. So Jesus is our focus, he's our treasure, and then he's our everything. And I wanted to put this in here because, because our, our everything just means that, that at Providence, we want to be the lovesick in love with our everything. Have you ever been in love and you don't know what to say to the object of your affection? So you just say, oh man, you're so beautiful and you're just, I wanna spend the rest of my life with you. And we wanna have kids together and have a family together and just, just your hair and it's your eyes. I don't even know what to say. It's just like, ah, oh, you're everything. You been there? This is, that's good. I was watching that yesterday. But what, but what that is, is it actually points to, when you get married, you find out that the person you married was not created to satisfy you. The, the person you married is, is, is a person where the team of you together can show how great Jesus is to the world. And you find out that you were made for Jesus fast after you get married. That no, no earthling can satisfy the God-sized hole in my soul that was made by Jesus but for him. And so he is my everything. The Matthew chapter 26 is a story about a lady who knows Jesus as her everything. As Jesus is anointed at Bethany. Let me just read this a little bit, starting with verse 6. Now when Jesus was at Bethany, which is a town, not a person, um, in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flax of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, or they were just fiery with angry, anger, saying, why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. Come on. You always have the poor. Why weren't you upset about the poor five minutes ago? You always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. So you take this lady who takes the most precious earthly possession that she has, and then you see her, she walks into a place where she was, she was not accepted and not wanted, surely to be rejected. So any thread of dignity that she has, any thread of reputation that she has, she's about to lose it in front of a bunch of, of mouthy, strange, angry men. And she's about to waste, in worldly words, the, her greatest possession that was sure to at least give her some type of financial stability in her future. 
And here she takes this. She loses her reputation. She, she pours out her financial position on the head of Jesus. And you've got to see this, that Jesus says, that is a good thing. Why is that a good thing? Does God not want us to have good reputations? Does God not want us to have financial futures? Well, God mostly wants us to have him as our everything. So it's a good thing. It's a good thing to take all you have and supposedly waste it on Jesus. That's what a Jesus church does. A Jesus church is known for Jesus. That means that our evangelism in a Jesus church just lift Jesus up. Our goal is not to make people who don't know Jesus feel comfortable in this place. Our goal is to lift Jesus up. And then the promise of the scriptures is that as Jesus is lifted up, which is talking to the cross, but is also, you know, I think the practical outflow of it is as we lift Jesus up every day in our lives, people are drawn to the lifted up, exalted, high Jesus. Like, you, you, don't, you don't take people and make them feel nice about ruining their whole futures and lives and dreams that they supposedly had, the small ones, I mean, when you're introducing them to Jesus, because Jesus asked for all. He said, our evangelism, lift Jesus up. What's our discipleship? Follow Jesus. What's our missions? Hurt like Jesus. Have compassion like Jesus. Luke 19, 41, when Jesus sees Jerusalem and he tells them that they are the city that stones the prophets, in other words, rejects God's word. He's not angry at them. He cries over them. He sees the city. He weeps over it. That is the heart of Jesus. And so our missions must be driven by compassion or nothing. So much is driven by anger. It's like we're Jonah's. We love plants that give us shade more than revival in Nineveh's. So our center, I wonder what that is. Jesus, our hope, what could that be? Jesus, our goal in life and everything, what is it? It's Jesus. This is the only kind of church that I can lead. I'll figure out something else to do if this is not who we are. I will not play games. I'll take any sacrifice just for this. And it's gonna be fun and wild. But here's the thing, that we cannot be a Jesus church if we are not first Jesus people church. Do you know that? It's, in fact, I wanna draw our attention away. Like, when, when is the last time you focused on you being a Jesus person? Many times you go to church when you're exploring church, oh, that's nice, they got a nice children's program, and oh, well, who, who's the old guy running it? Oh, wow, that's silly, uh, but it looks good. And, uh, and you see all the, well, it looks, it looks kind of too good to be true, but we'll check it out and stuff and see how we feel. And, you know, do you kind of, well, yeah, I, I felt good, but it wasn't really, you know, they didn't really say hi like I want, except to the Julie. And, and then we're, we're evaluating all of this stuff. And then we go to the welcome lunch, and we want to see the, the vision, and we want to see the mission statements. We want to see all the statements, all the statements, all the doctrinal points, and all this stuff. But the big question before you get to any of that is, are you a Jesus person? And much of our attention goes to what is the church and our evaluation of the church instead of our accurate rendering of our own selves. The greatest issue in the church is people that do not have Jesus as their vision wanting a voice. Woo! Woo! I want to get up on this stage because I've got a message. 
But my question to you is, do you want Jesus? Because that's the only message we preach around here. I want to get up on this stage because I've got gifts. But do, do you want Jesus? Because gifts are a dime a dozen in the kingdom. Jesus doles them out. Do you want Jesus? Do you want, Je- do you want other people to want Jesus? Do you, do you have him? Is he your treasure? Is he your everything? This is what Jesus paid for. This is what Jesus died for. This is what the Holy Spirit is blowing on today. He's making much of Jesus. He's, he's, why do I never sense the winds of the Spirit? Well, because you want Spirit winds to get something other than Jesus. The Holy Spirit loves to pour out and fill up and mess up people who want Jesus above all things. It's easy in the early church. They gather, Pentecost, Holy Spirit falls, flames of fire, they go out. Their Jesus is on all of their multi-linguistic lips. Jesus, Jesus. It's not to feel good. It's not to have a great experience. It's Jesus. It's Jesus everywhere they go. Persecution comes. The church has to spread because of it. And Jesus spreads in that context, guys. Do you get this? The world getting worse means Jesus shines brighter in the lives of the church. This is, this is just how it is. We are light. We are to light up the darkness. A Jesus church points all attention to Jesus. Because the church is full of people who have found that Jesus is a greater treasure than all others. Do you know that a vision statement is only as powerful as the people's capacity to carry it? So I'm calling us, you know what I'm calling us to do today as a Jesus church? I'm calling us today to look at our hearts. And you know what? The Father loves you so much. Sometimes, you know, I preach a sweaty, yelly kind of message like this today and I'm all fired up and I'm like, you know, whatever I just said, I'll have to listen back and kind of, you know, be embarrassed. <laughs> if I preach, you preach a message like this and stuff and you can, you can quickly fall into what this part of the world does or our human tendency is to try hard for Jesus. And that is never the answer. You never try hard for Jesus, you receive. You just receive. It's just that's never, you don't get the glory of earning. You who could never earn get the pleasure of receiving. And so, so many of us, like chains would fall off your hearts and your minds and your worship and your everything if you, if you received Jesus, didn't try to work for him. The father just wants to pour out love. He just wants to run down your road and find you. That's all he wants to do. And then he doesn't want to spank you. He wants to, he wants to put rings on your finger and robes on your back. And he, and he wants to hug you. And he wants to, anybody else who, who would shame you, he wants to go to them. He wants to call them into the reality of his new kingdom. This is what he wants to do. The Holy Spirit just wants to just come and change your life in a beautiful way. But, but it is all about Jesus. And so I would just ask you at the end of the service, um, are, so maybe some of you are here and uh, you're, you're, you're cool with Jesus. You just haven't given him your everything, your life. And uh, you don't really know if he would take you if you did. And I just want to clear that up. He will. He will. And if you give him your life through faith, he'll take your life and he'll astound you by giving you his life and being your treasure. And maybe some of you have decided to follow Jesus like a good Pharisee, but maybe some of you have actually never received Jesus as your prized treasure. And so today I would just like to 
encourage you to do that. Just receive Jesus today as your treasure, as your everything. Jesus, you don't just get me to a mansion. Many of us received that gospel. Pray this prayer, go to heaven. But heaven for us was never Jesus. And so today you wanna you receive Jesus, you receive him as your treasure, as your everything. You give your whole life to him, every nook and cranny, and he takes it. Maybe some of you are here today and, uh, and you want this more than anything and it's, and it's actually, you've lost the purity of the want and it's turned into bitterness and frustration at people and at the church and the way the church isn't and all this stuff. Listen, welcome back to the purity of just being a Jesus person and loving people back into the kingdom and calling people home, crying over them when you see those who have rejected the message, going to them out of love. Woo, church! And then maybe you're here today and just think this is all a mess and you just wanna say, Jesus, if you're real, I just want you to prove it. That's a dangerous prayer, it's a powerful prayer, but I don't think it's an unbiblical one. I know lots of people who prayed prove it prayers and Jesus did. Just be ready to have your life blasted in the most joyous way. Be ready to enter into the life of, you think you're alive until Jesus comes and you find out I was dead all along. I could never see him and now I can't stop giggling and smiling and sweating. Do you guys hear this? Do you guys, do you guys know that our only option as a church is like we can, I, do you know this? Let me tell you this. Let me let you really in. If I'm not vulnerable enough, I've told you some stuff. Let me tell you one last stuff, okay? I could have denominationalized Providence a long time ago and made tons of money early on. Do you know that? I could have made money personally. Providence could have made money. We've never been in debt in all of those days. Do you know this? We decided not to denominationalize because we, we don't want to, not that denominations are bad, but the calling on Providence was just be a Jesus church, the treasures, a generation of crazy hearted, fire breathing, Jesus loving, Jesus people. That's it. And so this is, this is our only option in a, in a dark day. Our only option is to be a Jesus church. So just, can you just close your eyes for one minute? Maybe put your hand over your heart. Maybe put your hands open on your lap. Maybe raise them over your head. Maybe get, I don't know, go crazy. Kneel at your seat, lay on the ground. I, I don't, I really don't care. Just from the depths of your heart, just tell Jesus, Jesus, I want you to be my only one. I want a heart of David that says, when you boil me down, the one thing that you get is you get someone that longs to be close with you. I wanna be like Paul. I wanna say for me to live my whole life is about Christ. For me to die is gain. That is so it, that is all I want. I wanna be like the woman who took all of her stuff and just pours it on Jesus changes her whole reputation and doesn't care because she's found that Jesus is her everything and she just wants to do this very good thing. So Jesus, I just pray that you would take our church and you would possess us, own us, that we would stop being the boss of our own lives, our own decisions, our own stuff, and that we would be holy and completely and radically and dangerously to darkness yours. I just pray that you would turn us loose and pray this over our kids and our teenagers and our, the old and the young and the babies and the middle age and those on the verge of divorce and those thinking about getting married and everybody else in between. God, Jesus, you were enough. 
You alone are worthy. You alone can do this. And we surrender everything we've got to you. And we just want to know you and enjoy you and dance with you and laugh with you and be used by you and be accepted by you. We want to be your sons. We want to be your daughters. We want to be your bride. We want to be a part of the multitudes of multitudes of millions of millions of millions just giving up everything for you. So God, I just pray this over our church. I pray that we would receive this today. I pray that people would receive Jesus as their treasure for the first time. I pray that others, that uh, bitterness, hatred, frustration, it would break off at the name of Jesus today. And I pray that you would set us in the direction of your son, Father. We bless you. We ask for a powerful move of your spirit. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org. 